You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Before we continue, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to have you come up front and do anything weird. If you're in here and you're who, are ta- who God put on my heart, that you have pain in your body or sickness in your body that you can't, that you need freedom from. Okay, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you today. Would you be bold enough just to raise your hand and say, hey, I need freedom from this? Okay, one hand in the back over here. Just hold it up where we can see it. I'm going to ask some of our team, even if you're not on our team, Caleb, if you want to, anyone that has their hand up, if you're sitting next to them, would you just put your hand on their shoulder? I just want to make sure if they don't, our team, would you just go and put your hand on their shoulder? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for complete healing. And I don't know all the details, but the Holy Spirit does. And he's going to move. If you're not sitting next to somebody, you can just stretch out your hand. That's fine. I'm going to pray. And for those of you that are around somebody that needs prayer, I want you to pray as well. Just, Just pray right there. Just pray for them. Pray for healing. Let's pray right now for complete healing in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for us. Thank you that your word is true. Your promises are yes, and they are amen. And your promises say that we can have complete healing because you paid the price for us, because you went to the cross. You took stripes on your back. You shed your blood so that we could have complete healing, not just someday in heaven. We can have and experience it today in Jesus' name, right here, right now. Right now, I pray for every sickness, every pain, every ache in this room. And in Jesus' name, I command you to leave. I command you to get out right now in Jesus' name. All pain, get out. I pray over every organ, every tissue, every muscle, every cell in our bodies today. I command you to be complete, to be whole, to be healed. Work as your creator designed you to work right now in Jesus' name. Be healed, be loosed in Jesus' name. Complete healing right now. God, I thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, we release you to move on our behalf. Let your power flow from us as believers to these bodies that need complete healing. From the tops of their head to the bottom of their feet, in Jesus' name. For the person that didn't raise their hand, but they were supposed to, I pray for you right now. God sees you. He sees you. Maybe you're too embarrassed or whatever, but he sees you, and he wants you to know he wants you to be healed. And right now, I pray for your body, in Jesus' name, to be complete, to be whole, to be healed, to walk out in freedom. You may have walked in here in bondage to sickness or pain, or disease, but you can leave free in Jesus' name. Expect healing in Jesus' name. We thank you for freedom today. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. You can make your ways back to your seat. If we prayed over you today, if we prayed over you today and you felt healing in your body, 
or maybe we prayed over you and, and later this week when you can check it, when you can see it, you see a change. Please don't keep that to yourself. Please let us know so we can celebrate with you. Our world, especially right now, needs to know that our God is a healing God. In a world of fear and sickness and disease, our world needs to know that Jesus still heals. His price that he paid on the cross is still powerful enough to take care of it today. And as Christians, as believers, we get to carry that authority. All right, please don't, please don't keep that to yourself. Share it, share it with us, uh, even before you leave, if it's something that happened immediately. You know, today, you can go ahead and turn the lights on. Hopefully you know this, at Abide Church, we, obviously we plan our services, but we always, we're not overplanned where we box out the Holy Spirit from moving. I don't know if you know this, but you can do that, not just in a church service, you can do that in your life. You can be so busy that God's trying to move, but he can't. Well, here, we're, we're, uh, we realize that our plan is always plan B, and God's plan is always plan A. So we have a plan, sure, but it's going to be plan B no matter what he wants, depending on what he wants to do today in our lives. You know, over the past several weeks, we've been talking about hearing God's voice. Specifically, we've been talking about, man, how do we position ourselves to hear from God? How do we know God's will for our life? Last week, we talked about how do we identify God's voice? How do I know if, um, if it's God talking to me or if it's just me making it up? Like, how do I know if it's God or not? And today, um, I felt like we kind of wrapped up the series last week, and as I was praying about it this week, God just prompted me to continue to do at least another week here and to answer this question and the topic or the title I have for today is this, I heard from God, now what? Because many times we can be going and we can, we can actually hear from God in our lives and we'll hear from God, but many times we become static or we don't do anything with it. And God's prompted us or he's told us or maybe he's revealed something to us in his word or used somebody to speak to us and then, okay, cool, yeah, I heard that word from God, that encouragement, or somebody prayed for me and then I just hit the pause button and I don't do anything with it. But God's desire is to speak to you so that you will continue to move forward closer to him. So the first thing I want to talk about today is simply this. I heard from God, now what? Point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. I need to walk in obedience. You know, week one we talked about how we need to obey immediately. If we're going to hear from God, we need to let God know, hey, God, I'm your servant that means what you say, I do. I'm willing to move on your, on your behalf. I have to walk in obedience. One of the things we said week one is this, that delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Many times we can, we can God tells us something or convicts us about a sin in our life, and then I just kind of, ah, I get that, but I'll get to that later. I'll address that later. I'll do that later. But truthfully, if we look in God's word, what we see is delayed obedience is actually disobedience. It's actually sin. In fact, let's look at the, in the book of James chapter 4. If you're ever looking for just a good motivator, a good kick in the pants, right, just read the book of James. We're going to look at it a little bit today. James 4.17 says this. It says, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So when I know the right thing to do, I'm supposed to pray for that person. I'm supposed to give to that person or whatever. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to take a step here in faith, but I don't. What does James say? It's sin. You knew what to do, but you failed to walk in faith. It's sin. It's a big deal. Delayed obedience is disobedience. But here's the, here's the positive thing to that that I want us to see today is this. 
walking in obedience, it opens the door to God's blessing in your life. When I choose to walk in obedience, I'm opening the door. I'm showing God, God, I'm going to trust you. And when I trust God, he knows that he can respond with blessing in return. And I'm not just talking about blowing up my bank account, right, and I got a bunch of money in savings and I'm good, I get to retire early. Maybe so, that's great. But I'm talking specifically, yes, physically, sure, but spiritually as well. He wants to bless you spiritually when you walk in obedience to his word. His general voice is known as what? It's his word, right? His specific voice, though, is me hearing his voice. When I walk in obedience to both of those, he wants to bless me. To show you what I'm talking about, there's a passage in Luke chapter 5. And it's the story where Jesus is teaching, and this crowd begins to well up around Jesus, so much so that it kind of pushes him back to the lake. There's a lake that's behind him. And they're pushing on him, trying to hear so much that he actually has to use someone's boat just to stand so that people can hear him. And there he is, he's using a boat, and once he's done speaking, he gets off the boat and he turns around, and it's actually Simon Peter's boat. And he looks at Simon and he says, all right, Simon, I appreciate you Let me use your boat, but go out and throw your nets out for a catch of fish. Simon's a fisherman. And there Simon is, and Simon looks back at Jesus and he says, look, I get that you're a great teacher and everything, but... We've actually been fishing all night. I've spent 12 hours out there on the lake, Jesus, okay? I'm a professional, fi- professional fisherman. I think I know if the fish are biting right now or not, and they're not, okay? We didn't catch one fish all night. But here's Simon faced with a decision to walk in obedience or to do what makes sense in his mind. I'm a professional. I know there's no fish. But what's he going to choose to do? walk in obedience, or choose his own way. I could read this story to you, but I actually want, to, I want us to watch it together. I want to change it up a little bit. There's a uh, TV series. It's called The Chosen. Anybody seen The Chosen? Show of hands. If you haven't, hopefully this will stir your interest a little bit. Um, I'm usually weary of uh, Christian-made things about Jesus, right? Because in the past, they haven't been so great. Okay? Can we be honest? They've <laughs> not been so good. Been a little cheesy. But this is a clip from The Chosen about this story right here. His interaction, Jesus and Simon. Let's take a moment. We're going to watch it together, and then we'll talk about how it relates to us. Let's watch it together. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. Let's go! 
brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. If you haven't seen The Chosen, I would encourage you to watch it. Um, there's little moments like that, that it brings it to life to us. But what happened? We see Simon, right? He's got this choice to make. I can, I can walk in obedience to, to Jesus, and it sounds crazy. We've been out there forever. Or he can choose his own understanding, which is what? I'm a professional. I know what's best, how to catch fish. You're a teacher. You do what you do. I'll do what I do. What's he do? He trusts Jesus. And what's the response? blessing in his life. Physical, yes, to begin with. But then what happens? Spiritual blessing. Who does Peter then turn into? 
one of the greatest disciples to ever live. Who, who, what does he do in the book of Acts? He changes and sets a path for the first church. Thousands of years later, what are we doing? Learning and doing what he did with a group of people, preaching with boldness and living out as one of his disciples because of what we saw a great example in Peter. Was he perfect? No, he was far from perfect, but he trusted Jesus above his understanding and he walked in unquestioning obedience. Unquestioning obedience. You have no idea what your obedience to God will do for your life, number one, but for the life of other people, number two. Thousands of years later, we look to him and say, wow. I want to have some faith like, like Peter had faith, like Simon had faith. I want that in my life. So I heard from God, now what? Number one, i got to walk in obedience. Number two is this. I need to align my words. You need to align your words with God's word. I have to align my words with God's word. You know, many times in, in the church or even in the natural, right, many times people are facing something in their life. And when it seems like, well, if I speak God's word, or if I say this verse, I'm just living in denial to what the doctor said. I'm just living in denial to this financial burden in my life. And many times we get caught in this trap from the enemy, which is, oh, you're d- words don't really change anything. Words don't mean that much. But can I open your eyes today to this fact right here, to this truth, that God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. Think about that for a second. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. Just as powerful. Why? Because when I become a believer, when I follow after Christ, what happens? I go then and I become a co-heir. I'm an heir to the throne of God. I get the Holy Spirit on the inside of me who has all power. And what happens? I then walk in authority. I walk in power. And I get to speak and be God's mouthpiece. This Bible is the most powerful weapon in the universe. The most powerful weapon in the known universe. However... It can't do anything if I just have it locked up in my mind up here. I got a few verses memorized. I know those Bible stories, but I never speak it. It can't do me any good if it's just sitting on the shelf or a bedside table somewhere. But I don't speak it and say it and confess it in my life. Let me show you. We're going to go back to the book of James, right? Buckle up here. James chapter 3, it says this. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes, but look at this. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Are words powerful? Absolutely. So much so that I could control myself in every other way. Am I facing a sin that I can't shake, a situation that seems too tough? What are my words saying about it? What are my words saying about it? Look at this. We can make a large horse go wherever by means of a bit in its mouth. I got a picture. You can throw it back up here. I got a picture of that bit in its mouth. This little thing, right? Anybody ever ridden a horse before? First time I rode a horse, I was holding the reins too tight, right? It's got this bit in its mouth. I'm holding the reins too tight. I'm kicking it. You know, I'm telling it, come on, let's go. But it's not moving. In fact, it wants to start walking backwards. Why? This bit in the horse's mouth me holding the reins too tight, I was giving it a signal, putting pressure on its mouth that it should move backwards. I need to know how to control the bit in order to know how to control the horse. Same way with my life. If I wanna, James says, if you want to control every area of your life, learn how to control your tongue. 
Learn how to control your tongue. Let's continue reading in the book of James. In chapter 4, it says this, And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. You know, I looked up the biggest cruise ship in the world. It holds upwards of like 8,000 people, including the, the crew. 8,000 people. And I wanted to see where the captain is, who's steering this thing, right? Because in my mind, this huge cruise ship, I'm imagining one of those big old boat steering wheels, right? You know what I mean? Like, I've always wanted to drive a boat that has one of those big old steering wheels. But that's not what's up there. What's up there is a bunch of knobs and levers. And one of the most important ones looks like this. A chapstick tube. But what does it do? It controls the largest cruise ship in the world. This is a picture of your tongue in your life. That little thing, it can do a lot of, it can direct your life in any way you want it to go. Any way you want it to go. Let's continue reading in the book of James. Verse 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but the tiny spark, it can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. It's got a lot of potential. I brought a picture. There's a lot of fires going on in California right now, and I brought a picture of this is the Golden Gate Bridge. This was taken on this past Wednesday at 11 a.m. in the morning. But because of the wildfires that are taking place, this is the atmosphere of San Francisco. Smoke, ash, burning red. What God's word shows us is many people, because of what they're speaking out of their mouth, if you could look at the, their spiritual life, the spiritual atmosphere of every room they walk into, of every uh, Facebook post that they put out there, this is what their spiritual life looks like. It may not look red and glowing in their household, but because of the way they speak to their spouse, to their friends, what they post online as a Christian, as a believer, a small spark, what did James say? A small spark can set your whole life on fire. I need to align my words with God's word. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 12, in Matthew 12, 36. He says, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. That's not one of those verses I have up in my dining room table, right? Like, maybe I should, right? It would be a good reminder. I got to give an account for every idle word I speak. What is that? Every word that's not aligned with this thing. When I speak to someone, my friends, my spouse, my Facebook friends, every idle word that I put out there as a representative of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, little Christ, I have to give an account for. It makes me stop and think before I speak and burn my life to the ground, as James says. Let's continue in Proverbs 18.21. We know this one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who will love it will eat of its fruit. Death and life in the power of the tongue. In my choices? Yeah, maybe, but specifically in my tongue. Your life will only be as good as the words you're speaking over it. Your life will only be as good as the words you're speaking over it, and the best words you can speak over it is God's word. 
for everyone that's married here, or maybe you're going to be married, your marriage will only be as good as the words you're speaking over it. God's word in, in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. It changes things for better or for worse. I need to align my words with God's word. Number three is this, and I want to leave you with this today. Don't give up hope. I heard from God, now what? Don't give up hope. Many times you're reading God's word and God will speak to you. He'll reveal a promise in his word to you. And you're like, man, I want that in my life. I need that in my life. But it doesn't happen right away. I want it now. It didn't happen right away. Many times God will speak something to you specifically. Maybe he'll give you insight to your future, a plan, a vision he has for your life. But it doesn't happen right away. Don't give up hope. What is hope? Defined in the original language and in context, hope is a joyful and confident expectation. Joyful and confident expectation. I have hope and faith that Jesus will do what he promised to do. Joyful and confident expectation. There's going to be times when God speaks to you, but it doesn't come to pass right away. And one of the greatest examples that we can look at is Abraham. In fact, let me read you a few verses from Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 18. Think about this as I say this. Abraham, who desired to have a son, who desired to have a family and have kids, but couldn't. And God promises him he'll be a father of many nations. Verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith, it did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured, he knew his body was as good as dead. What does that mean? It could not produce life anymore. Physically unable to produce life. And so was Sarah's womb, his wife. Verse 20. Abraham, never wavering in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Can I get an amen? Amen. He is able to do whatever he promises. Not some of what he promises. Whatever he promises. Don't give up hope. Has God spoken to you personally, but you haven't seen it yet? Don't give up hope. Have you seen promises in God's word, but you haven't seen them come to pass in your life? Don't give up hope. Again, many times we fall into the trap of, I'm just living in denial, right? I'm living in denial of, of, of what's the reality, right? Physical, you know, the doctor said this, and I don't know what to do. We have this bill, we have this financial weight, I don't know what to do. We're not living in denial. Look at this quote from Andrew Womack. He says this, he says, true faith, it doesn't deny physical truth. It just refuses to let physical truth dominate spiritual truth. 
True faith subdues physical truth to the reality of spiritual truth. Meaning what? What's more real? To us, we say, man, this is real, right? This is the natural. This is what I can see. This is what I can touch. But what was before all of this? The supernatural. God who created the natural. So what's more real? The report, the burden, the, the pressure, the sickness. What's more real? That or his word, his promise. I'm not living in denial. But true faith, what does it do? I love it. It subdues physical truth to the reality of spiritual truth. This is why in Hebrews 11, what does it say? It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I may not see it yet, but I have a joyful expectation that God will do whatever he promised to do in my life. And I will not waver. I will do what Abraham did. My faith will actually grow stronger in response. It may take longer than I think, but I will grow stronger in my response. Why? I'm speaking his word. I'm walking in obedience. And I'm not giving up hope to what Jesus wants to do in my life. That's what Abraham did. His name wasn't always Abraham, was it? It was changed. So what was he doing? Every time he told someone to call him Abraham, other people were aligning their words with God's word for him. Every time he called himself Abraham, he aligned his words with God's word until it came to pass. I heard from God. Now what? I walk in unquestioning obedience. I align my words with God's word because they can change. My words can change everything in my life. And I will not give up hope, even if it takes longer than I think it should. Here's some questions to reflect on this week. Are you walking in obedience right now, today, this morning? Maybe God hasn't spoken to you specifically, but maybe you're not walking in obedience to his general voice, his word. You know some things in your life that you're doing that are against his word, but you're doing it anyway. God's speaking to you through his word. Are you walking in obedience right now? Have you been speaking more life or death recently? Your life will only be as good as the words you're speaking over it. Speak the best words over it. Speak life and life abundantly. The last one's this. How's your hope? Do you feel wavered? Are you full of hope? Are you desperate for hope? Are you a hope giver? When you walk into a room, do you give the hope of Jesus to people? If you're struggling to have hope, let us pray for you today. Before you leave, as we dismiss, we'll have people up here on both sides. Let us pray for you and agree with you for your situation. Let us plug into you and charge you back up with hope and send you back out. That's what the church is for. The action step is this. Spend time in conversation with God every day this week. What's conversation? Talking and listening. I can get into the ditch of I just talk the whole time in my quiet time and I never give God a chance to talk to me. I can get in the other ditch where I just sit there and I don't ever talk to God. I never communicate to him. What's he want? Conversation. Converse with God. Speak and listen. Speak and listen. 
have a conversation with God every day this week. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a good father, that you're perfect, that you love us, that you have the best for us, that your promises are yes and they are amen. And God, we know that as we read your word, as we listen to your voice, that you will speak to us. And we believe everything that you say. If you said it, we will believe it in Jesus' name. We will walk in obedience. We will go and align our words with your word. God, we're not going to give up hope that you will do whatever you promise to do. We love you. We're thankful for it. If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second, if you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I want to hear from God. I want to know God. It starts with you making a choice. You got to humble yourself and, and go to him and make him the Lord of your life. If you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I want to today. I want to pray with you, show you how to do it. If you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I did that at one time, but to be honest, I've been living in disobedience. I'm ready to be serious about my commitment to Jesus. You want to recommit your life to Jesus. I, I, I want to pray with you as well. If that's you, either one of those, I've never done it. I want to recommit today. Would you just be bold while heads bowed and eyes closed just to raise your hand so I can see it? Just raise it up and put it right back down. I'm not going to have you come up front. I'm just going to pray with you. See that? Praise God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. Right there at your seat, pray this prayer after me. Mean it in your heart. Believe it in your heart. Say it out loud. God says that when you do that, you make a step towards him, he runs to you. He wants to wrap his arms around you today and love you, forgive you, and welcome you back into the family of God. Would you pray with me? Say this prayer after me. In fact, everyone in here, say this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to come to this earth and to die on a cross. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Right now, I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me clean. Forgive my sins. Make me in right standing with God. Today, I am a new creation. I am brand new in Christ. I walk in communion with him. I am saved. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.